0: So we are continuing the series this morning uh, titled Rewards. And kind of the theme verse for this series is Hebrews eleven six, 6, right, where it says God rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Again, in my own uh, personal reading and Bible study, I started seeing this concept all throughout Scripture. And again, my first gut reaction is "But that's not what the gospel message is. Right? The gospel message is we are saved by grace through faith, right? and that it's not a reward. Uh, in fact, that's exactly what it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Right? It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Again, we do, do, we do not earn our salvation, right? The gospel message is we are saved through grace. We receive something that we do not deserve or earn on our own, right? And through faith, when we just believe in Christ and accept him as our savior, you know, that he enters our life and saves us and pays the price for our sin that we do not have to pay ourselves, right? It is not a reward. And so, again, reminder that this series is not about salvation being a reward for the good things that we do. In fact, like I said, that is the opposite of the gospel message. In fact, that is what sets Christianity apart from every other world religion, right? Every other world religion says you have to earn your way to salvation or enlightenment or whatever they call it, right? And yet, Again, Christianity is a grace-based relationship with our Creator, right? And when we receive our salvation, it's not a reward. Then we start a relationship with our God, and our faith continues to grow from that point on as we grow with and walk with Christ through this earthly life into our heavenly life with Him for eternity, and that is what this series is about, As we see these concepts of rewards throughout the Bible, right? Is if you continue to do the life the way that God wants you to do life as a follower of him, then there, there are rewards to be received, right? We see that concept in 1 Timothy 4.8, right, where it says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so we know, again, if we do life God's way as a follower of Jesus, if I, if I follow the guidelines that he lays out in his word, right, in my day-to-day journey of faith with him, right, then there are benefits, there are rewards in this life that I will see, as well as rewards in heaven, that I will receive as well. And so again, we, we see this concept that's laid out in this verse, we know that we know about physical training, we know the benefits that come from physical training, especially in January, right, as, as we are moving forward in, in, our, in our new year, new us resolutions, and, and as we do that, now we are towards, you know, we're in the second half of January, this is where they start to fade a little bit, right? So again, if you've made one of those physical training commitments this year, keep going, right? Don't give up, okay? Keep going. Uh, You know, make it into February, you beat, beat most people in their resolutions, but continue to go. So we understand the concept of physical training, right? And yet here, Paul tells us that godliness training is much better, okay? And there's more rewards in godliness training than there is even in physical training, Okay, and so these last uh, few weeks of this series, we've been looking at these different areas that the Bible describes in godliness training in our lives. What does our day-to-day life look like as a follower of Jesus? Right? And can I, can I again, do, do life God's way through these areas? Okay, so again, a couple weeks ago, we looked at godliness training for our work. And again, not just our job and our career, but just everything that we do and these tasks we accomplish in our day-to-day, the work that we do for God. And again, ultimately, it needs to be for God as a follower of Jesus, right? That our motivation is for him, not for ourselves, right? And that we find glory and joy in our work and in the job well done, the best we can do it for God, right? And not just for our own benefit or worldly benefit. And then last week, we looked at godliness training for our money, And we looked at the ways, again, that God describes that we should handle our money as followers of Jesus. And we looked at just a few of the over 2,000 references in Scripture to money and possessions. Again, it's something that God talks about over and over and over again within Scripture. And yet we see in Scripture is all of this teaching about money and possessions is not actually about our money at all. It is about our heart, and that's what God really cares about right? And that's why he gives us so many instructions about it, because it can pull our heart away from him so easily. And so again, we saw last week, right, about, again, God's training for money is is it's all about our heart, not about our bank account as much. And then today, we move on to this next area of godliness training, and that is godliness training for persecution and struggle. Now, as we um, prepare ourselves for this, and and this is not an easy fill-in to, to write, right? Because persecution and struggle is not something that we're excited about, right? And yet, um, it is something that, that God talks about in Scripture. Okay? In fact, um, it's something that we all deal with in our faith. Obviously, at different again, everybody's journey of faith is different, and our struggles and our persecution is different, but yet we all know what it means to struggle right, or to be persecuted. Okay, in fact, in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about persecution quite a bit. Okay, the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Okay, the, the intro to this sermon we know as the Beatitudes, and it's at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. Okay, and Jesus talks about kind of the intro of this and all these things. Now again, that sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is a lot like this message series in that Jesus did not present the way of salvation in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, what he did present in the Sermon on the Mount is he talks about what a life will look like, the day-to-day life will look like if you choose to follow Jesus. Okay, and, and he describes, again, God's way of doing all kinds of different things in life. And then right, then right after the Beatitudes, he gives us this, this intro, this list of ways we'll be blessed if we do this. And, and then right after that passage, then he goes right into these verses in verse 11 and 12. Okay, where Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Again, right after the Beatitudes talks about how we can have a blessed life, then he goes in and says, by the way, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be lied about. You're going to be, you know, um, mocked right and then jesus says that we're supposed to be happy about it now jesus says a lot of crazy things i mean jesus makes a lot of big claims in scripture and yet this is one that we sit back and be like are you sure jesus right we're really supposed to be happy and glad when we get lied about and mocked and persecuted Right? And, and then, though, he says to be happy about it, but then he also gives us this encouragement and saying, hey, by the way, when you are lied about and mocked and persecuted and all these things, um, you're, you're not alone. In fact, that happens to everybody else, right, who also follows me. The angel prophets, everybody else that came before you that has followed Jesus, right, and followed God's way of life, also received this same persecution and struggle. So not only are you happy about it, but also know that you're not alone in it. Right? And he tells us to be glad. Okay, now, um, as we look a little deeper into this, though, right, again, Jesus tells us that um, that God will bless us when we are mocked and persecuted and lied. Um, But the, the truth is, there are lots of reasons why you can be mocked and persecuted and lied about and evil things said about you. Okay, there are lots of reasons why that might happen in your life. That Jesus does not promise us a blessing if that happens for a multitude of reasons. No, Jesus is very specific in this verse about why we, 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 why, how we will be blessed if we're being lied about. And it's for one reason. Okay, and I encourage you to underline the phrase, because you are my followers. Again, there are lots of reasons why people might mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say evil things about you. But Jesus only promises a blessing if the why is for following him. Right? If I get myself in, into that mess on my own with my own words, right, then that's on me. Right? But if I am lied about and persecuted and mocked for following Jesus, right, then that's on him. Right? And he says, and you will be blessed. Right? Again, we have to underline that phrase and, and realize again that this promise of blessing um, is coming for. One reason that we get lied about and persecuted and struggle, and that is because of our walk with Christ. Again, there is evil in our world today. And good things do happen, or bad things happen to good people in our world. Okay, and persecution and, and mocking, all these things happen. Okay, and again, Jesus was right on, and we know that to be true. And yet there is evil in our world today that literally will kill people for being a Christian. Okay, they, they literally, by, by claiming Christ, are signing their own death note. Okay, and that happens in our world today, in 2019. Okay, in fact, the places around the world where the, the Christian church is actually growing the fastest in our world is where that's true. Okay, where the persecution is highest is where the church is growing the fastest in our world today. Okay, now, just like when we were talking about money last week, okay, in our context, in our American culture today for us, right, is that that's not a reality, right? We are not going to be literally killed for coming to church. Okay, now, um, and it's easy for us to kind of lose that perspective as we say, yes, that persecution is happening, but it, it is real in our world, but it is not real in my life. Okay, and that obviously is the extreme side of the persecution and struggle scale. Again, it's very real in our world today, but it's not something that we're likely facing ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that we're not. Right, and yet, um, we all face persecution and struggle on a daily basis as a part of our faith journey. Again, that is an extreme side of, um, of the scale, but yet um, it, can, it can go, you know, the pendulum swings all the way the other way as well right, to things that are maybe not so serious. But yet, when we face a struggle in our life and in our faith, it feels very serious, no matter how big it is, according to the world scale. Again, we all face persecution and struggle in other ways. It might be family issues and arguments. It might be the loss of a loved one, a sickness or physical challenges, right, or hitting every red light on your way to work when you're already late, Right, we get, again, there's a, there's a big scale right, of struggles that we all face in our day-to-day life. Right? And yet, God tells us that we uh, have hope amidst all of it. No matter where it lands on that scale, we can find hope in him. Right? And, and as, we, as we think about this concept, right, Jesus tells us that you can be happy and glad when you are being attacked. And yet, our natural reaction is, well, how on earth can I do that? How can I be happy and glad about a struggle or a persecution? Okay, again, Jesus tells us, hey, you have a reward coming if you don't give up. Keep going. There is a reward coming. Okay, and then um, in our passage today, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, okay, verses 1 through 18. Hey, if you have your your own Bible with you, um, I encourage you to open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have your own Bible, you don't have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats, and you're welcome to use one of those. And uh, you notice on the outline is the page numbers of where you can find this passage in that Bible. So I encourage you to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we are going to read the entire chapter today, okay? verses 1 through 18. Okay, and again, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth um, about his struggles and his persecution that him and his team of people. A experience in their life and then their daily journey in fulfilling what God has called them to do. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 1, okay, where it says this, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Again, Paul here talks about um, so many of the struggles that they have, okay, and again, the calling on his life and on these people that are walking with him is to to share the gospel of Jesus, to plant these churches in all these these different towns, right, and and to watch God's word expand into the world. Right, as Paul does this, he is highly persecuted. In fact, we can look through Scripture and see, and not just him, but all the apostles, right, were persecuted highly for what they did, and. and for uh, the message that they gave. And yet, in the midst of this, of this encouragement towards this Corinthian church to keep going, right, Paul bookends this entire passage, okay, using the same phrase in verse 1 and in verse 16, okay, where he says, we never give up. He's like, no matter what we face, no matter what struggle is is in front of us, no matter how we're being persecuted, no matter what is said about us, no matter what, we never give up, right? And in in, in between these two phrases, right, and bookends of this passage, okay, Paul gives us, right, some instructions on what to do during a hard time, okay? And during a hard time, if you do these things, right, then you too cannot give up and you can keep going no matter what struggle you face no matter what hard time it is no matter what people say about you okay do these things okay so again how do we keep going during a hard time and again today like i said this is not an an incredibly encouraging you know uh, concept to know that jesus tells us the truth up front right that you are going to have hard times on this world right even if you walk with me you will have struggles Right Jesus is upfront from the very beginning. He's right? saying you will have trouble, but know that there are, I will give you right the correct ways to deal with those struggles. Right? So that you won't give up, right? And you can make it through and you can find the light at the end of the tunnel and finally realize that it's not an oncoming train that's going to come and run run you over, right? But it is truly the light of God and of hope, right? That is coming. If you don't give up, So what does he tell us to do? Now, in the first part, in verses one through four, he tells us the first thing to do during a hard time, okay, to keep going is to speak only truth. Okay, speak only truth. Focus on truth. Speak only truth. Again, don't give in to anything else. And in fact, examine everything that's even being said about you, right? And that you are saying and and the whole situation and saying what is true and what is not true. Okay, because in the midst of a hard time, especially in the midst of a hard time, it is easy to get overtaken by a bunch of things that aren't true. Okay, and yet the more we focus on the truth, it pushes back on the source of truth, which is God himself. Right, and when we look at that truth, again, we have to reject everything else. And that's exactly what he says that they do in verse 2. He says, to reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods, we don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. Again, he's saying, speak only truth. Focus on truth. Right? And again, in the midst of a hard time, okay, is, it's easy to get focused on things that aren't true. Again, again, Scripture tells us to never worry. again, what is worry? Worry is us taking a whole bunch of emotions— right and time and focusing on something that might happen right but yet it's not truth right it's and let's step back and say what is true and what's true about who i am and what god says about me not what other people are saying about me right what is true about my situation right and and don't believe the lies of the world and of other people and all those things because that will push us away Right? In fact, right here in these verses, right, is, um, again, he calls out Satan and saying, like, there's all these other things that will happen. Right? And yet, Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? And he is the father of all lies. And he's telling us, no, focus on truth and the source of truth, which is God himself. Now, he's saying, only look at truth, only believe truth. Right? And then, as you do that, as you interact with that truth and and base your, your step forward on who God is and, and on the truth of what he is and the truth of your situation, right, understand that other people you interact with who are not believers will not understand and they will not see what you're doing as good. Okay, they will not understand. Back in verses three and four, right, he talks about this veil that is put over them and that they don't, they don't understand the ways of God, right? Other parts of scripture say that to an unbeliever, God's truth seems like foolishness, Right, that they, they don't get it, they don't understand, they, and that's something we need to know. As as I'm walking with Jesus through a hard time, and 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 I know, and I've seen it happen in my own extended family, right, is when I interact with those that are not believers, right, is that that we never, we just simply do not see the world the same way, right, and they do not understand the decisions that I make versus the way that the decisions they make, right, and and again, it is not apples to apples. Right? And it, it is hard for us, in fact, I think impossible for us to get on the same page on certain issues, right? Because they, it's, they do not see the truth through the light of who God is, right? And again, as he said, now, again, God's desire is to, is to rip that veil and to open their eyes to who he is, right? And again, and that's, again, of course, my prayer for my extended family. And, and I hope, again, every unbeliever I ever interact with, right, is, Lord, please reveal yourself to them and, and rip that veil apart. Right? And show them who you are. Right? But again, but we have to understand, and he says, even in the midst of these struggles, and sometimes that is the struggle, right? Is, is this butting heads with somebody who is not a believer and not agreeing in something. He's like, just know that you focus on truth. Right? And don't head down any other road. Okay? And then, in the next, which, which leads us then to the next thing he tells us to do in verses 5 through 10. Okay? And that is to rely on God's power, not my own. Because the more I focus on the source of truth, which is God himself, the more I realize it is by God's power I will make it through this struggle, right? Or this persecution or whatever's coming. Because the more I focus on him, the more I realize he's the one I can get through it with, right? It's not my power, okay? But it is God's power. As he says in verse 7, he says, We know we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Like, and this, is, this is a really cool word picture, right? About the light of Christ and the truth of who God is and, and the mess of the gospel and all of that. Again, as the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we have that light shining within our hearts. And yet, right, it is God's light, God's power, God's truth that is in me. And yet, I am a fragile jar, jar made of clay that is easily broken. Right? Again, my power is not what's going to get me through. Right? But yet it is God's power in the inside of that, right, that, that strengthens me as this fragile clay jar that is easily broken. Right? But yet it, it contains the great treasure, right? The best, the truth of who God is and of his power. Right? Again, it is by God's power that, that we, I can get through whatever it is that brings me that that peace that, that Jesus describes. And then as we work our way through and, and, and not give up and continue to grow through our struggle, whatever it might be through that hard time as I don't give up. And then I get to the point, right, where I find and trusting in God's, God's power and, and find that healing. And then he says and the next thing that, that keeps us moving forward for 11 through 15, is he tells us to let my struggle help someone else okay, to know that my struggle, again, is not going to be wasted, okay, and that the evil of this world will not win, right, and when I move through it, then then God will even use my struggle to help someone else, okay, because the truth is whatever you face, right, is you now understand that struggle better than, than somebody who has not been through it, Hey, whether that's an addiction, whether that's a a physical challenge, right? Whether that's a loss of a loved one, whatever it might be, those struggles that we face, right? Is now you can now help somebody else that faces that same struggle, right? And to find the same hope and the same truth that you had that got you through, right? And God will never waste that hurt, right? And he will use it for his glory, Okay, in fact, in the um, in the recovery world, the world of addictions, and I've covered like AA and all those different programs, one of the steps is letting that your healing help somebody else. Okay, the phrase that's used in that world is called a wounded healer. Okay, is that I will use my experience in my finding and my wounds I've got to help heal somebody else once I'm healed. Right? Because you because again, somebody who's been who's been an alcoholic. Right? There's nobody better that has conquered it and moved through it than to help somebody who's struggling with alcoholism. Right? Because, again, the, the, the excuse of, well, you don't understand what it's like is not valid anymore. Right? And it gives, brings them hope. And again, we see that's exactly what Paul tells us in verse 12 when he says, so we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Right? And he's saying, again, this struggle, have we struggled? Yes, we've struggled, right? but it is not in vain. Right? And God will never waste that hurt. Right? And just as he continues to say over later in the passage, right, is it will bring God more glory. Right? And what, what, what evil wanted to use to push people away, God can redeem to bring people to him. Right? And as we see that and we get that, then we get to, to this next uh, passage, this section, verses 16 through 18, when he talks about the reward in this life if we don't give up when we face a hard time we continue to 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 struggle through right to, to take that step forward with god's power and and when we find out what is our reward in life if we don't give up and he says that reward is that my spirit is renewed every day right? that's exactly what he says in verse 16 he says that is why we never give up through our body though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day Again, and I don't know about you, and I don't know what your struggle is, and I don't know exactly what your faith journey looks like, but I know in the midst of my struggles and the things that I've had to face in my life and in my faith, right, is that being renewed every day is a very true statement. Right, In the middle of whatever you're facing, you need to be renewed every day. Right, And yet that's exactly what the reward in this life is, Right, is that my spirit is renewed every day. And then in the following verses, in verse 17 and 18, he breaks down for us what he means by that. What does it look like for my spirit to be renewed? Okay, and when my spirit is renewed, I realize three different things that he points out. Number one is I realize that my current troubles are small and short-lived. Now again, I realize that's very hard to write into that into that um blank if you're in the midst of a struggle because right now in the midst of that struggle is it feels like it is the entire world and it's never going to end and i have no hope again i realize that is not true in the middle of the struggle however that's part of as we focus on god and who he is and on his truth it it enables us as it renews our spirit to take a step back you know and to get rid of some of our tunnel vision and to say okay lord you're bigger than this Right? And what I'm facing right now is as hard as it is in this moment, right, is small compared to eternity. Right? Right? And my own struggle is small compared to who God is. Right? Right? And again, it is small and it is short-lived when it gives me a new perspective when I'm able to focus on God and his truth. Right? And use his power. Because even my current trouble is tiny compared to God's power. Right? And when my spirit is renewed, I realize my current troubles are small and short-lived. And with that new perspective gives me new hope to not give up and to keep going. Okay? Because then, and the reason why it gives me hope is because of this next thing that we realize. Right? When my spirit is renewed, I also realize that it is a price worth paying. Okay? That it is a price worth paying. That God is going to walk me through this. That, that there is a price to be paid for spiritual growth. Right, and yet, um, again, there is a price to be paid. It's called suffering for a reason, because it stinks, right, and it's hard, right, and nobody wants it, right, and yet it is, but at the same time, it is a price worth paying. Again, and this is something that God modeled for us, right, in the incredibly high price he paid for our salvation as he sacrificed his son, right, but it was a price that he was willing to pay because it was worth it, because of how much he loves us, right? Was it a high price? Yes, it was an incredibly high price, but it was a price worth paying, right? And God leads that example in whatever struggle we face. Um, does it stink in that moment, in that situation? Yes, it does, right? But yet, again, as I can focus on God and, and have my spirit renewed by him, right, and, feel, and realize that it is a price worth paying, right? That there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel, right, and that I will get through it, and that God will, again, even make me a better person, right, as I continue to grow through my struggle, right, which then leads in, as I'm able to do that, right, is this last thing, right, number three, he talks about in verse 18, is I can change what I focus on, okay, I can change what I focus on. Again, this is a choice that we get to make, Right? He tells us, right, again, I get to choose. I can focus on the on the struggle. I can focus on the shortfall of, of myself. I can focus on, on how, uh, you know, I have no hope, and if I believe the lies of the enemy and of the evil of this world, right, or I can choose to focus on who God is and, and on his love and on his power, right, and just as we sang today, on his freedom that he brings me, right? I get to choose what I focus on in the midst of my struggle, right? That is a choice I get to make, right? And as we see again, these bookends of this passage, right? Verse one and verse 16, to never give up, no matter what I face, never give up, right? And when I, when I do that, right, is I can find true hope and even joy, as Jesus says, through a struggle, now again, what does that really look like? Well, that looks like my faith actually growing stronger through those struggles right now. But as I, we think about that concept, and again, can I live these things out in my life? I want to end with this thought, and that is this. It's something I've, I've seen true in my own life, something witnessed in everybody else's life, something you've probably seen as well, okay, is that persecution and struggles will affect your faith. Your faith will be different after going through a persecution or a struggle or whatever it is. Okay, it will affect your faith. Okay, and the truth is that it has the potential to destroy your faith if you believe the lies and focus on the wrong things. Right? Or it has the power to strengthen your faith if you follow God's steps through persecution and struggle. Okay, it will affect your faith. Okay, in fact, again, I have seen and know people and watched and observed, right, um, people that, again, have given up in the middle of struggle and persecution, right? And, and again, obviously, affects their faith. But at the same time, I have watched as people are stronger than they've ever been before as they work through a persecution or a struggle, right? It, it will affect your faith. It has the potential to pull you away, but it also can strengthen your faith. Again, for Paul, as he talks about it here in this chapter, it strengthened his faith. Right? The, again, in fact, he saying he's like, "Hey, bring it on. If, if the more persecution I get, the more I get to see God's power work." Right? And the more he's like, and he gets so excited about the fact, right, that it's strengthening his faith. Okay? Again, he knows that this world is full of evil and pain, right? He knows that bad stuff does happen to good people, right? And yet he knows that God is bigger than all of it, right? And that God has already redeemed it, right? And he knows that there are God's promises if we don't give up, right? That there are rewards in this life and in the life to come. In fact, he gets so excited about it that he spends the next several verses in the first part of chapter five um, kind of ranting and raving about all the, the excitement that he gets about making it through these struggles. Can okay, and remember when this was originally written in this letter, there was no verses and chapter breaks. It's all kind of one continuous thought. Okay, and he leaves out of this chapter four and goes into chapter five, and through, um, in chapter five verses one through ten, he, he just goes off in these excited words about how awesome it's going to be in heaven and on these rewards when we make it through our struggle. Right, and this new, this new body that I get, and, and all of these things. Now, we don't have time to go into it this morning, okay, but it is in the small group follow-up questions for this week. Okay, so again, if you're in a sermon follow-up group, you're going to talk about these next verses in chapter 5. And again, I encourage you, though, to read them on your own, even if you're not. Because okay, he gets so excited about this persecution and struggle, right? and then, he, like I said, he goes deeper into it in these verses in chapter 5. Okay, but the, the biggest reward for persecution and struggle is in heaven. Okay, in fact, that's what Jesus tells us, what Paul tells us. But as we can see, God is with us in the middle of our struggle, right? And there are rewards to be found in this life as well. Which brings me to the end my final thought this morning, and that um, is the words of Jesus found in John sixteen thirty three, And that's where he says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Because here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Again, that is the truth of who God is. Again, Jesus tells us the whole truth up front. Okay, following me does not mean that your life is going to be perfect. Right? In fact, you might even bring more trouble into your life if you follow me. right, again, and I've told you it all straight up front, right? That you, but yet you will have peace in the midst of it. Right, and that's a reward in this life. I was like, and again, and ultimately the bigger picture, the reward going on for all eternity, that he has overcome all of the evil of this world. Right, and that he walks with us through no matter what we face. And again, I don't know what your faith journey looks like. I don't know where your struggles land on that scale. Right, but I hope that you are facing whatever you're facing with the power of God and with him walking with you and not on your own. And if you've never received Christ as your savior, right, then I hope that you would do that today and you can face whatever you're facing with his power and not by yourself because you're not alone, right? And you can receive Christ. You can join the journey of faith today just by praying and confessing your sin, asking Jesus to forgive you and inviting him into your life, right? It's through grace and faith and you can become a believer in Jesus and walk with him and leave here today with his power. And if you're walking with God, no matter what you face, I hope today you're encouraged to know, right, that you don't, don't give up, keep going, right, that God is with you and that his power is being unleashed in your life if you let him and he will resolve whatever you're facing by his hope. And you can find peace. You can even be glad, right, as you continue to grow through whatever struggle you're facing. Lord God, we thank you, God, that you can move mountains. And God, whatever struggle or persecution we're facing, Lord, I pray that you would move that mountain from our life. God, that you are mighty to save, Lord, and you are bigger than anything that we face. And God, we praise you for that today. God, and I pray that we would truly find the peace that you promised, Lord, in the midst of our struggle. God, that you would just continue, Lord, to, to shine that light in us. God, so that as we, um, you know, focus on you and, and only focus on truth and and Lord, not give up in whatever we face. God, that we would grow forward in our faith. And Lord, that is so different than what the world uh, expects. Yes. God, that we, through even just growing in our faith, through our struggle, God, we shine your light. Yes. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that again, just as Paul says, that through our struggle, God, would help yes. save others. God, guide us as we go this week, Lord, as we face this struggle, Lord, as we continue to fight and not give up. God, and that we would shine your light, Lord, and help you change this community and change this world. God, we thank you for being with us. Lord, guide us as we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.